Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by YYZ Translations. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk podcast show. I'm your host, Sultan Ghaznawi, and in today's episode, we are going to be talking to Carrie Fisher, who will uh, speak about her personal experience in the language industry, as well as cover women in localization and their programs. Carrie Fisher is the Globalization Services Manager at Subway, headquartered in Milford, Connecticut. She works out of her home in Boise, Idaho, where she lives with her teenage son and two cats. She is a volunteer at Women in Localization, not only as the America's Jew manager, but also the program director of the global community. After 25 plus years in the localization industry, she loves collaborating with people and teams from all over the globe. Her specialty is starting projects from scratch and watching them grow with hard work, teamwork and patience. In her spare time, she enjoys going to the gym, takes enormous pride in doing house projects together with her son and every so often she binge watches uh, great shows like Lucifer and Mandalorian to name a few. Carrie, welcome to the Translation Company Talk podcast show. Thank you for having me. All right, let me start asking you with the first question. Tell me about your interest and beginnings in the localization industry. What brought you into this field? I can sum it up in two words. I volunteered. Um, like many of us that started way back in the 90s, um, my company was going global with our language learning software. This was probably 93 um, and we realized we needed to translate the menu items, the user guide and the box that our software was housed in. And the company wondered who could do this. And I said, I want to, and the rest <laughs> is history. Wow. And, and, and how has it been since then? Like uh, once you got involved, uh, I guess you found it interesting. You wanted to stay in this industry. Exactly. Uh, it was, I think it was fate. You know, I, I didn't even know this industry existed, even though I, I have a degree in French. So I, I love languages to begin with. And the company I worked for was a language learning software company. It never occurred to me to, you know, to, to localize our product and then bring it out, you know, to Europe and Japan. Um, it just caught my interest. And, you know, I started going to the conferences and meeting people doing the same thing I was doing, and that was it. I was hooked. <laughs> it's addictive. Uh, you've gone through so many different roles over the past few years, I'm guessing, in this industry, and each one probably gave you a different perspective on how localization is executed and evolved over the years. Share a few words with us, uh, if you will. What have you seen? What has your experience been in terms of evolution? I executed localization differently at each company I worked for. And yet many underlying concepts were the same because localization was so new for the first company I worked for. They pretty much follow my lead. Um, I was given the opportunity to work directly with our Japanese partner to help them launch our product in their country, which is when I met my first localization friend, Yukako Ueda, who now works for NetApp. We've known each other a very long time. I've watched her children grow up. It's just been amazing. 
and she was so much more experienced than I was. And she really helped me understand how important it was to get localization right in Japan. Uh, and the, the underlying concepts I mentioned earlier, which really haven't changed since I started in localization, you have to be flexible in your relationships with different departments within your organization. For some, this is brand new territory and they are confused, they're overwhelmed, and it probably feels chaotic to them. Right. And you, you know, you're seen as the calm in the storm. You're the expert and you need to guide companies to the finish line and make notes along the way so you can tell each department how they can improve. People, I think, are so much more open to making changes for the better if they're dealing with a nice, competent, encouraging person rather than some autocrat who tells them what to do and when um, and not really why. The under other underlying concept is really to read the terrain. I don't care how much experience you have, if you, you need to adapt your approach as needed. There are still executives, you know, a lot of them are open to direction and are ready to listen on how to make their organization better in terms of globalization. And then there are still executives who think they know more than you <laughs> about being global um, and they're or, or they're not ready or they don't want right, to hear right. your strategies. Right. And in these cases, I've always created relationships and trust with the people doing the work because news about good, positive work and achieving goals always flows upward. And eventually, you will get your chance to shine with the executives. And, and this is a knowledge-based industry, and it's it's driven by people. I guess it's more important than most other industries where we're talking about something that is not tangible. You can't touch <sighs> translation. So I think it, it takes a special type of person to make all of that happen. I think you're right. Maybe it's because I'm the youngest of four girls. I have the patience of a saint. I don't know. <laughs> um, I love all personalities and um, even the mean people, right? <laughs> and there are mean people uh, oh, yes. in every organization. And once you become their ally and their friend and you listen to their struggles and help them overcome them, they become your ally. And uh, I don't think there's not, there's not one person that I've met that um, through listening, active listening and helping them through their challenges that I haven't turned to the good side, to the light. Well, congratulations, <laughs> Gary. You, that's something. I mean, not a lot of us have that type of an accomplishment. But anyway, let me talk uh, about your current role. You work at uh, Subway as a localization manager. It's a large global brand, of course. Tell me what goes on in its uh, localization machine. So actually, my title is Globalization Services Manager, which was a new one for me. Um, but it was better than the title I was given when I started, which was Internationalization Manager, which didn't fit. Um, but that was, you know, just executives not understanding what globalization was. Um, but so that that has changed. Um, Subway is the largest quick service restaurant chain in the world. We have more restaurants outside the U.S. than anyone else. And I could tell you how the localization machine works, but then I'd have to kill you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the first thing I did when I came to Subway was set up a TMS. I was the only one that used it at first, but over time, you know, I taught all of my contractor translators how to use it. Most of my vendors use it. And now even some of the subway staff in other countries use it. I taught them how to do it. Even though the, bu the budget is centralized under me, I work very closely with every department and every region to help them set up their budgets for their areas. We do it together. Um, and then they have the freedom and the knowledge to set up 
projects in the TMS and manage their projects locally if they want. Uh, or if they don't want, they send them to me, which is fine too. But as long as everyone uses approved vendors, I get the quotes and I pay the invoices and we use our TMS. I think if you give freedom within the framework, it, it works nicely. It can, it can be kind of a hybrid of a, a centralized yet decentralized localization model. That's, and I, that's interesting. I, it, it works. For Subway. I'm not saying it would work for everybody. Um, well, I think the way you have set it up, I think that that's a, a good uh, framework to have. And the way I measure it is very broadly is looking at the localization maturity model, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, when I started, Subway was at the, the negligent level, um, and now we're at the optimized level. So it's it's showing me that we are getting better and better, and obviously we always have room for improvement. But right now we're we're in a good spot. Well, congratulations to you on on bringing it to that level of maturity. So as manager of globalization, I think that's the, that's the right title for you. Yes. What keeps you awake at night? Do you worry about the quality of translation you're getting from your vendors, or do you feel concerned about uh, that you cannot get the proper volumes within the deadlines that you have promised your business partners, or is it something completely different? I'm lucky enough. I, I don't have to worry about quality. I think the vendors I have are really great. They're intuitive. They're true partners, in my Congratulations. opinion. Congratulations. <laughs> I thank you. That was another work in progress. It took three years to figure out you know, the, the mix and the match and, and who worked for us. Work really doesn't keep me up at night, although the budgeting process can certainly be a little stressful. I don't feel there's really anything at work that can't be overcome with working together with internal people, my vendors and my peers. I think maybe I'm one of the lucky ones. <laughs> you are a lucky one, but it comes from a lot of effort that you've put into this framework that has now made it easier for you to, to carry on your work compared to other people who might be in your position and other organizations where there's no structure or maturity and, and they're dealing with day-to-day -day problems. Yeah, that's true. Right? Uh, all right, let's 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 discuss your involvement with uh, the community and also with our industry. The, the Women in Localization Forum, how did you get involved and what does it do? Women in Localization has been around since 2008 and I was one of the first members. I lived in Silicon Valley back then, and we had started to getting getting together informally at first, meeting at each other's companies after hours, talking about the industry, our challenges. I could read you the mission statement on our website, but very simply put, it's women helping women in the localization industry by empowering them, supporting them. The flip side, it's a place to go if you need help or support. We have local chapters all around the world that serve their local members by providing learning opportunities, networking, skill set building, and friendship. Well, shout out to all the great ladies that power and steer our industry. How are they shaping the future of our industry? One way is by helping other women have a voice. We've had many different webinar events for our Women in Localization volunteers on how to be a better leader inside Women in Localization and outside. Um, they're teaching us how to work and communicate with an all-male board or an executive team. They're really passing the torch on, as it were. They are providing 
us and the really the rest of the industry that women have just as much right to be in the executive seat as the men. That that's a very noble cause, I think, a very noble idea. I see that there are local chapters, as you mentioned, and there's a lot of activity. Can you talk to us about how the group adds value to what our industry offers at large? Sure. The the different chapters when we're not in a pandemic, right? The different chapters <laughs> offer um, local hands-on learning whether it be through events around tools or inspirational speakers, leadership skills, networking events, and mentorship. In the times of pandemic, like now, we, we open those events up to everyone since they're virtual and online. It adds value um, because I'm able to join an event in Ireland that I normally wouldn't have been able to attend in person. I love that. I make new contacts and new friends every time I log into an event. There's always people I haven't met, which kind of surprises me. You think you know everybody, but you don't. It's um, a big industry. It's a huge industry. And um, in addition to the local events, we'll have a gated community uh, website that only members will be able to access. So it's important to sign up as a member if you haven't already. Shameless plug. Um, I think Women in Localization really offers a safe place to talk about our self-confidence issues that we have, struggles that we're having at work or even in our personal lives, and lately, how to navigate through this pandemic. It's been um, an ongoing challenge, I guess, for everyone. Like every other industry that is trying to pull itself together after the COVID and lockdowns and so forth, I guess our industry is also trying to regroup. Uh, how has Women in Localization um, tried to help its members uh, get back into normal? Yeah, I think by offering those live events that any Women in Localization member can join. So many of our events have been around how to manage through the pandemic, how to reframe our mindsets to take our sadness or depression and turn it into something positive. I've learned so much about myself in the last six months, and it's because I've listened to our inspirational speakers and heard how other people are coping. I've also seen us rally around those that have lost their jobs. So even though we're a large organization, we all know Within Women in Localization, we all know when someone has been let go, and we can offer support through looking at resumes, offering advice, linking two contacts together, you know, having them go to the job board and look for a job, whatever we can do. We help as much as we can. What does a, um, a typical member look like in terms of their profile um and the woman localization, is it someone who has been working in the industry for a long time? They're a new entrant or it, it varies all over the place? It varies all over the place. Um, I encouraged uh, my colleague back in Silicon Valley, who's a documentation manager, to join Women in Localization because she's still part of the ecosystem as are developers, as are QA engineers, you know, salespeople. We're, we're all part of the big engine, and I see people that are brand new to the organization, brand new to localization, uh, and then there's old people like me. You know, they've been around probably for too long. Uh, yeah. And and uh, so if if there is uh, someone who um, is in the industry and they would like to join Women in Localization Group, what are the steps that they can take in order to apply and, and join this amazing group? Yeah, it's not even apply. It's really just go to our website. And I think that's the first thing you see is like sign up to be a member. You just click that link. You input your information. 
it's really important to, to select a chapter if you're in that chapter's area. If not, you select no chapter. I don't have a chapter. I'm in Boise, Idaho. And you'll you'll still, you know, get information about, especially around global community, which is chapterless. You get information and, um, you know, any anything around women and localization will be available to you, whether, whether you have a local chapter or not. Uh, okay, so uh, that's, that's great. Let's talk about the benefits uh, to members of women localization. Uh, what does it mean to be a member of this group? Um, does it offer you some sort of a benefit in terms of uh, networking? Um, uh, you mentioned about knowledge and information sharing. Uh, what are the main benefits that a member gets from joining women localization? First of all, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good uh, one. It's a good one. Uh, and you also get invited to all of our global events. And like I mentioned, we have a job board if you're interested in looking for a new opportunity. That's we offer I think it's good. It's good. In fact, it's the doc manager, my friend who's the doc manager in, in Silicon Valley who, who reached out and said, hey, we're looking for a localization person. Do you know anyone? I'm like, become a member, put it on the job board. You will find somebody. <laughs> but we offer member spotlights every month so you can get to know each other better. Uh, I think the real incentive to become a member is when we have our gated community website up and you can only get access to that awesome site and, and perks by becoming a member. And we're all about helping and supporting and we, cause we all need that every once in a while. You mentioned the, the gated community and where, uh, you know, the members get to see their, uh, the benefits available to them, I guess, those features. What are those features besides networking and having access to job board? For example, do they get to have information about a specific technology that might, you know, as, uh, one company is using and it's only members of this group actually get to have access to that? I'm just guessing here, uh, or there are other benefits that they have access to? To be honest, we're hoping to launch by the end of this month and it's going to be slow. These are all volunteers. We're all volunteers. It's, we don't of get course. paid for this. Yeah. So it's going, I think we're going to have I, what I would like to see very better addressing the mentor mentee need. We definitely have a need for that. And now that we're all virtual, it's hard. You, the local chapters aren't getting together and, and doing these mentorship events. I think women in localization, that gated community is going to provide that link um, it's probably not going to happen right away. We've, we're work also, in progress. yeah, it's definitely work in progress. We're, we're looking to potentially add a forum to see, you know, if somebody needs help or just has a question in general and making that open again, it's members only, but it's free. Um, so just, we're, we're trying to think of other, you know, good incentives for people to want to sign up to be a member and, and all of the global community events will be behind that gated um, community as well. Very interesting. So if there is uh, someone who is joined uh, Women in Localization, but all of a sudden she has interest in other areas of localization, for example, as a, uh, instead of working as a localization engineer, now she would like to be, I'm not sure, uh, a strategist for localization. Is Women in Localization um, in a position to offer um, mentorship and career guidance and so forth for these people? We will. I mean, that's going to be one of our, our big draws, I think, is to help women navigate career changes, again, mentorship and support. We won't have that out of the gate. It's going to be 
kind of bare bones, but we, we want to get something up. We want to get something out there and then start taking also feedback of what our members want to see behind the gated community. Yeah. It, by the way, how many members are there in Women Localization globally now as, as a group? Well, if, if you look at the LinkedIn number, it's over 10,000. However... No way, really? Yes, yes. But, you know, people have moved on, right? And sometimes they don't deactivate, you know, their, their LinkedIn membership. Um, but we did change our process of how to become a member. You, you now have to sign in through the website, right? And, and sign up through our website. So we're at a much lower number because even though I feel like we've shouted it to the rooftops that you have to sign up through our website to become a member, people still think they're members because they joined a LinkedIn or a Facebook group, which is not the case. You have to become a member through signing up through our website. Very nice. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I want to plug. make sure everyone hears that loud and clear <laughs> that you need to go to the website and sign up there. <laughs> and men and women are are can join, right? This is not just an organization for women. We have, we want men to um, participate and enjoy our content as well. Absolutely. I have been following some of your events and the content on LinkedIn, and I must say that it's it's very valuable for me. Good. Good. I'm glad. Uh, let's talk about some of the issues and challenges that exist in our industry that are specific to women. What can you share with us and how does women in localization approach these challenges and issues? I think some of the issues and challenges that exist in our industry also exist in any industry. We're still making about 75 cents to every man's dollar. So we've got salary inequity. Women are less willing to speak up for themselves. So we've got self-confidence issues. If a woman has 100% of the qualifications listed on a job posting, she will apply. When a man has maybe 50%, he'll apply. We lack these initiatives. And it's really important to understand why and how to overcome them. Women in Localization approaches them by offering workshops. We have access to professionals who can help with this. Our next global community event, October 14th, which we haven't posted yet, um, but that's going to feature a woman named Perry Sean. And she is a life coach and she teaches how to how women uh, how to teach women to sell them their ideas in the boardroom and i think this topic can help in several situations not just the boardroom you know you still need your elevator pitch you still need to explain you know what you do and our first speaker was laura khalil who gave us tips on how to react to direct confrontation these are valuable skills that we need to learn and adopt. And I think that's how we can help women. Uh, absolutely. And these are soft skills, some of them that normally we are not taught in school. Never, never. Yeah. And you only learn about them from experience and, and right. from, so with the leadership that is in, uh, you know, right now uh, involved with women and localization, can you tell me uh, what type of skills do they bring in? What type of experience they have to share with the members and, and to help them actually deal with these problems? We have a few women who are VPs of localization or, or you know, some title thereof. They've faced down you know, lots of different challenging situations. Oh, I'm sure. Yep. And they share those situations and how they handled them and how we can handle them going forward. We have a lot of women in leadership positions that are more than willing to share their experience. And I think that's another benefit that women in localization brings. The past five years specifically has been pivotal in terms of 
how um, the gender balance at work uh, is, is perceived before there wasn't much attention to it. How is women in localization as a group taking that and making sure that there is a good balance, a good representation from both genders at the workplace? I think by offering that membership and participation of men in women in localization, we can get a different perspective. I really enjoy uh, having men on panels together with women because sometimes you can get a completely different answer to a question. I think that's probably the best answer I could give is how we're addressing it is by inviting men into the conversation and learning from their experiences uh, as well. I don't know if that answers your question. It, it does. It does. Uh, um, I think more or less the, it's not just our industry. Almost every industry is going through um, some sort of an evolution when it comes to uh, understanding the, the roles of both genders in the organization. And, and I'm all up for, um, you know, equality and, and, and respect for both genders. But uh, I, I don't think that every industry is as committed and, and, and getting there. So right. what Women in Localization is doing is, I think, it's, it's a, a long-term goal uh, to get there. And I would like to see it broken down to see what it means and, and how our industry can, can be representative and a good example of uh, equality between both genders. I love it. I'll put right? it on my global agenda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, back to membership. Uh, what do your membership contribute to the organization? What is the effort required to engage with this forum? No, it, it's it's honestly it's a it's a community as opposed to a, you call it a forum, which is which is a which is good too. I I call it a community. All you have to do is sign up, and if you want to even take it a step further, become a volunteer. I have I love volunteering for women in localization and. I, I got away from the organization when I moved to Boise in 2012 because we didn't have a, there was no chapter here. Global community was just kind of a concept at the time. But now I feel we're, we're really worldwide. We've reached. It, all it's a global the, concept now. It really is. It really is. And it's a nonprofit. And the way I love to give back to this localization industry is to volunteer for women in localization. Right now I've got a dual role of the America's geo manager and the program director of global community. Like you don't have enough to do. Because I don't have enough to do, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I have to say, I look forward to all of our meetings. I look forward to the work I get to do. I love helping and this, if I could do this full time, I would. <laughs> But I do have to pay the bills and my mortgage and, you know, get my son to college. But um, that's how I think other women can, can help if, if they want to. If even if, You know what? Even if you don't have a lot of experience, we need those women too. Uh, because we need to understand everybody's perspective, not just the people that have been around forever. Um, this industry is changing. And we need, I think, different perspectives and the people that are new to localization have a lot of value to offer other people. Uh, absolutely. So what is the overall perception of uh, this group in our industry? I personally see it as a very positive step in the right direction. But what are some of the business and social challenges when trying to form this type of a movement? I think when the founders first started it, I know I engaged immediately 
it spoke to me. The women that I met were so helpful and responsive. Um, I was going through a lot of personal challenges at that time, a a divorce, uh, being a single parent. And that group just welcomed me with open arms and let me bring my my three-year-old or four-year-old son at the time to these meetings. Um, So for me, it's they've always been there for me. It's always been a support system. Um, I think I know they were challenged um, by some, you know, why is it women in localization? Why don't we just form a a men in localization? Go ahead. (laughs) That's okay. Um, uh, I I think women face very different challenges. They have very unique requirements. Absolutely. this time. Yes. And I'm hoping that our organization provides support and help for those women who are struggling with these issues. So that, that brings us to a very good point. Uh, you mentioned that you personally went through some challenges and you had support through this group. That that makes it a very special uh, place for people to go and ask for help. I mean, a lot of people are probably right now dealing with all kinds of problems related to COVID. They've lost okay. jobs. They have, uh, I'm not sure, uh, mentally stressed and so forth. So does women in localization provide a place for people to go and, and talk with someone and, and and receive some sort of advice or support that may not be related to localization. Yeah, I think so. I know so. Uh, because I'm a volunteer with these two particular groups, sometimes the first five or 10 minutes, sometimes the first 20 minutes of a meeting are taken up by someone who is in crisis. <laughs> and with the small group of volunteers in that particular group, we can rally around that woman and offer support, advice, take on her duties if she's, you know, struggling with work. Um, We can help with so many different things. Um, And for the broader, you know, for the women in localization members, I have to tell you, the last probably four months of these virtual events have been around how to cope, (laughs) how to cope with COVID and um, just how to overcome and how to lift each other up in these times of, of crisis. And uh, let's talk about something um, positive. Do you recognize women who have gone above and beyond to help other women in our industry uh, through women in localization? Yes. Gosh, sometimes when you're a volunteer and, and very specifically around the chapters, you know, I go to as many chapter meetings right. as, as I possibly can just to go to know the volunteers, thank them, the ladies. Um, And I can see when someone has really just gone above and beyond. The Eastern Canada chapter is a great example. The mentorship and education leader, you know, found this great software and, and, you know, let me know about it. And I've, you know, been to a demo and, I asked her to be the membership spotlight for that month because I, I wanted to recognize her and give her recognition. She owns her own translation company. Let's let's give a shout out to the people who are, in addition to their day jobs, are doing extraordinary work and trying to bring uh, help and support to those who need it. Absolutely. And, and I think it's important that we should recognize people like that, uh, and that encourages them to to spread that positive energy even more and help people who are in need. Yes. So uh, let's talk about 
things in general now. How do you see the localization industry and its position in the larger uh, business? Well, like many of us, I've seen our industry grow from what was what was called a cottage industry at the time to a multi-billion dollar industry. It's truly been amazing to witness. We are real, we're powerful, we're financially sound industry. And I find it amazing that so many executives of larger corporations still have no idea that this industry exists. I started dating a guy recently. He's not a big executive. He's a retired cop. But, uh, you know, and, and of course, he asked me what I did. So I told him and he said, I never even knew this existed. It's like you're the engine that keeps the rest of the global organization running. You're in the background getting all of this done. So no one has to worry about it. So I do see our industry becoming more and more visible, especially as, you know, different companies, not just localization companies, are investing, you know, in other local, you know, these financial companies are investing. Yeah, it's really interesting to to see that. I think that gives us a lot more visibility, and I I only see that growing from here. And it it looks like our profile is getting a little bit attention as you said from outside the industry because there are some of these uh, private equity firms uh, and investors coming in because they see the value of it Um, do you see that our industry it it will continue being what it is with the traditional model or do you see things changing i see things changing all the time it went from vendors managing everything for you to people like me being able to manage with very little help you know everything has been technology has been made available to the layperson you know to the non-engineer um i call what i call the the smart people, you know, it's if a, if someone like me can run an entire globalization strategy alone for a multi-billion-dollar company like Subway, we're doing something right. Well, Kerry, you have to give yourself credit. You have earned this knowledge to lead that globalization team. I mean, it didn't come by itself. So, kudos to you. Thank you. <laughs> But the localization industry helped me, right? Of course. They made it, they made it very easy and very, they made us kind of self-sufficient um, in our ability to help companies go global and stay on top. Of course. I, I think that there is still quite a bit of misunderstanding, as you uh, rightly pointed out, uh, uh, and confusion about our industry, the localization industry. Do you also find it difficult to explain what your role is or our role is and why is it so important? Just to give you an example, um, I was explaining what I do to someone at a restaurant recently, and the waiter said, oh, that's what a lot of people think about cutlery. They don't think where it comes from. So, Exactly. We're behind the scenes, aren't we? We're yeah. behind. Exactly. And nobody pays attention to us. Nobody knows us until something goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Have you come across a scenario like that in your career? Yes. So the second job I ever had at Hyperion Solutions Uh, which Oracle bought in 2007. Uh, In 1998, I was asked to present to the development of uh, the the VP of development about the importance of localization. Uh, Again, it was a multi-million dollar company who had offices all over the world. And here I am still talking about the importance of localization. I started my presentation speaking only in French. There was one native French man sitting in the audience who just started to laugh and applaud because I was basically saying, hi, everyone. Thank you for coming today. 
I'm speaking totally in French right now. I'm going to speak about the importance of localization. I'm sure you can all understand me, right? And the French guy is laughing his head off. And I got blank looks from everybody else. And I said in English, you didn't understand me because I wasn't speaking your language. Can you imagine how our clients feel when they try and use our products in English? Honestly, that's all it took for that particular company and that audience. It was complete cooperation after that. And I had a VP who had my back for the rest of my and our career at Hyperion. And that's a really good way of putting things to uh, decision makers. I think most of us cannot explain it quite well because services or knowledge-based industry services is quite hard, hard to explain, especially when you want to buy in from executives. It's, yeah. it's something that's an afterthought to begin with. So kudos to you for, for uh, presenting it that way. I'm sure that if we did that more often, we'll have a less of a challenge explaining what we do. Others have done it. I've heard the same story from, from other ladies, one of them being Anna Schlegel. So she spoke German. Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the boardroom, right? And I spoke French because that's what I knew. And we probably used it, that tool, you know, around the same time back in the late 90s. But it, it works. It's very effective and it's very simple to understand. Absolutely. If, if you had an opportunity, Carrie, to change one thing about uh, our industry, besides fragmentation, which we can't do anything about, what would that be? I don't know. <laughs> what would I change about our industry? I love the community that localization brings. And what I've seen lately is, if anything, more inclusivity and diversity. However, <laughs> Maybe this is controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. Why don't we have more black people in our industry? I don't understand. We include, I, like I said, we've, we've been, I think, we're very inclusive. We, all, we come from all over the place, right. all, all different cultures, all different backgrounds. Uh, you know, local life talked to, you know, had, had a panel yesterday, which was fascinating about um, the gay community and and how they've been, welcomed and what we can do better and how can we support them better off the top of my head i can't think of any black people that are in our industry and i i just wonder why that is i'd like to change that do you think it's an image problem for localization industry that is detracting people who come from um, other backgrounds Uh, how can it be i mean this is our strength i think you know to know another language, to be from a different country, is something that employers look for when they're Absolutely. looking for people like us. So I, I don't think it's a deterrent at all. I think it's an attractive quality. But I, I don't understand, you know, the other the other side, you know. <laughs> we're, we're white, brown, yellow, but we're not black. And I don't know why. But it, it is complicated. And, and I think uh, you said it right. We need to get to the bottom of why we don't have total inclusivity. And, and that's important today's day and age uh, to, to have representation from every sector of the society. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Uh, let's talk briefly about technology. Um, what role do you see for it in our industry? And how do you think it should be perceived? Because right now there's quite a bit of animosity towards AI, towards things that mm. automate and make our lives better and so on. Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> I've been <laughs> fascinated to watch technology grow and evolve in our industry. Uh, and I'm finally happy I was brave enough to try it myself. I used to be, like I said, I was terrified of TMS and MT that was just so up in the clouds. I didn't understand it. 
And I thought it was for the quote, you know, smart people or the engineers who understood the inner workings. And the industry has made it so much easier for people like me uh, to use them and understand them and even teach others don't even have a localization background. You don't need to know the inner workings. You just need to know what it does and how it can help you. Um, I think technology are tools to help us get our jobs done better, faster. Better <laughs> enablers, I think, yeah. Yeah. I love to see all the innovations. I hope they never stop. Uh, some will succeed, some will fail, just like every other industry in the world. It's survival of the fittest for the technology, I guess. So yeah, yeah. whatever survives, it's supposed to uh, make our society better, our lives easier. And again, technology is just a tool. You could use it for a good purpose or um, you know, bad intentions, whatever your idea. But at the end of the day, they're supposed, they're designed to make things better for us. Yes. Um, I'm sure you agree with me on that. As we reach um, the end of this interview, um, I would like you to say your message uh, to language company executives listening to you right now. What would you like to tell them? How can they make your life better um, as a consumer of their services? Okay. So you're specifically referring to LSPs. LSPs, that's right, because yep. they're the main audience of this podcast show. Yeah, and they're my biggest partner. And um, I would say, you know, treat your people like the gold that they are. Make them feel appreciated for being their front line to the customer. I've made so many great relationships with my PMs and my salespeople and the engineers. They really become your partner in getting products out the door. I know a lot of people kind of hold them at length. I don't. I let them in. I let them know all my issues, my problems, because they probably have a solution that's going to help. I do think the industry is getting better about recognizing localization employees in general, and that even includes non-LSP companies like Subway. But I, I still see you know, that some companies aren't really showing their support and appreciation for those people who are responsible, really, for maintaining the relationships with their clients. I have seen it get much, much better throughout the 20 something years that I've been in the industry. Um, so there is, you know, there's a, I'm ending on a positive note, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's work in progress, but I'm sure that everyone um, listens to you today. And, and, and I agree with you that we need to treat these people, the people who actually run our industry, uh, they're the ones who make everything function um, with a lot of respect and with the value that they deliver to, to this industry. So thank you for all of that. And for your time, Carrie, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today, and I'm sure our listeners did too. I would like to keep an invitation extended to you for future episodes where we could have a more detailed conversation on some of these topics we discussed today. Um, hopefully yeah. you would be available. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. As always, I review three products that are relevant and important for language services companies and staff working there. Today, we will be reviewing nonprofits that are active in the language industry that we can support who are helping millions of people around the world with different programs and projects. The first item on my review list today is Translators Without Borders. By far the best and largest pro bono driven community of linguists and language providers. Their slogan says exactly what they do, which is Translators Without Borders is a nonprofit working towards a world where knowledge knows no language barriers. You can volunteer to work with them, donate to them, and partner in the capacity that you can support them. As a charitable cause in our industry, Translators Without Borders deserves a 10 out of 10 for helping people in need of language support around the world. The second project under review today is the Endangered Languages Project. 
This project places technology at the service of the organizations and individuals working to confront the language endangerment by documenting, preserving, and teaching these languages. Their website provides access to latest information on endangered languages as well as it allows people to put their languages online by submitting information or samples in the form of text, audio, or video files. It is certainly something to consider and support. I give this project a 10 out of 10 for its purpose and scope. The third nonprofit on our review list today is Translation Commons. Their slogan reads, Translation Commons is a nonprofit volunteer community with a mission to share knowledge, sustain cultures, and create economic opportunities through the power of language. It is a free platform, and resources on the site are freely accessible and downloadable. Some of their projects include mentoring, creating content localization training kits, interoperability projects, and guidelines for indigenous communities to create their own digital infrastructure for their languages. You can donate, volunteer, or help other ways. I give Translation Commons a 10 out of 10 as well. That's all the time we have for today, and I really enjoyed speaking with Carrie. She brings a fresh perspective as she has seen this industry from so many different angles, and today she spoke with us from a buyer's vantage point as well as a volunteer at Women in Localization, which is a fast-growing movement in our industry. Please share your comments and feedback. I love reading them. Make sure to give this show a 5-star rating on the platform where you're listening to it. It does take time and effort to put these together, so it, it is nice to see these little gestures. Subscribe to the Translation Company Talk on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite platform to stay up to date with future episodes. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.